The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welger. You are listening to episode 191. Or you're joining us live here on YouTube or Facebook. This is episode two of our Brawl Crawl series. Yeah, I guess technically three. Well, yeah, we it's the third installment, Bill. Our, all right, second in a row? Yeah. All right, second in a row. Uh, today is Saturday, May 16th. Uh, we are doing live commentary for the final three fights on the main card of UFC on ESPN 8. Uh, so we, d- we did one of these just on Wednesday, and we had a lot of fun with it. So we're back again. Uh, in any case, before we get into the fights and uh, Christoph Jocko's break dancing that we just witnessed inside the cage, let me introduce my co-host all the way from New Jersey, Jeff <laughs> The Animal Wilson, Jeff. How you feeling, man? Three UFC cards uh, within a week. Yeah, Bill, we're going toe to toe with Joe Rogan tonight because he's doing his fight companion. We have the brawl crawl going on, so we're not here to accompany accompany you through these fights, but we'll we'll, we'll crawl through them together. <laughs> now, let me tell you something. Joe Rogan is going down in history as one of the best podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, to me, he's always going to be the fear factor guy, all right? <laughs> he was part of the 90s, Bill. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, while I try and figure out how to share this thing, Jeff, I think uh, I think the prelims of this card have delivered more than the main card so far. There's only been two fights on the main card, but I think we were just so spoiled by how how the how amazing the prelims were that everything else just seems to have the volume turned down thereafter. Am I alone on this? Are you feeling the same thing? No, the prelims were super exciting, and I'm really glad I tuned in when I did. I tuned in at about 6.30-ish. Uh, the prelims were awesome, dude. And uh, for those of you watching at home, if you're not watching already, you're going to see some blood on the octagon. It looks like it rained blood. That's from a prelim fight uh, that we'll get into a little bit later between uh, Darren Elkins and uh, Nate Landwer. Landweir, Landwer, however you say his name. But, uh, dude, that for me, that's been fight of the year so far, man. If you haven't tuned in yet, uh, make sure you get ESPN Plus and go back to watch that fight. That fight alone is worth the subscription. Yeah, as it, as our, our buddy Flying Brian Jeffries lets us know that I just have to hit the share button. I'm not very good at multitasking, Brian. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I... I I have a hard enough time just sitting here drinking and talking simultaneously. Uh, But I I think I did share it. I got it out on Twitter. Um, But, but thank you for that tip, sir. Uh, Flying Brian, of course, a fun follow on Twitter. Flying Brian J on there. And then he also brews beer. So of course we're friends. 
Uh, so we just uh, we just saw Eric Anders and Christoph Jocko, Jeff, and man, the, I feel like the decision went the right way because Jocko outlanded Anders a lot, but Anders was holding Jocko up against the cage for a majority of the fight. So usually when that happens, the judges will lean towards the guy who does that, but they didn't in this case. So they, they got that right, in my opinion. So Jocko coming away with the decision. Uh, Anders was gifted a, a decision in his last fight. So um, I, I guess this was like karma for that. Uh, his fight with uh, Gerald Mearshart in Tampa. I thought it was a clear win for Gerald Mearshart. Judges gave it to Eric Anders. Um, so it went the other way this time. Jocko coming away with the, with the uh, decision. I don't have much else to say on it. Um, our buddy Ryan says that he finished the same amount of takedowns as Anders did tonight, <laughs> which I'm assuming is none. <laughs> uh, any thoughts on that fight, Jeff? Or can we just put it to bed? Yeah, dude. Um, you know, uh, as far as the main card goes, I felt like the opening fight was a lot better. Song Yadong versus, um, what's his face? Chico uh, Vera. That was a really exciting fight. It was very back and forth. Uh, that one could have gone either way. And Bill, speaking of Song Yadong, who is now with Team Alpha Male, I'm wearing my Torque sweatshirt in support of Uriah Faber because, Bill, I am still against the Reebok deal. <laughs> So this is a this is a silent protest. I, I sometimes forget that Reebok is even still a thing, but you know apparently they still have exclusivity somehow over the UFC. What was this like a ten year deal they signed with the UFC where they get to make the fight kits? Um, yeah, I like the Cheeto Vera fight and the Song Yudong fight. Uh, Cheeto Vera and Song Yudong. I thought it was really close. Uh, Vera obviously dominated the third round. Um, yeah which is kind of why I thought he won, but the first two rounds were close. So, uh, I, I mean, you can't base anything off of that third round. So if you thought, if you already scored the first two rounds for a song and dong, can't go back and change those. Um, so I can't fault the judges there. It was really close, but because of the way the fight ended, um, because of the way the fight ended, it seemed like Vera should have gotten the decision, but you know, that's kind of the way it goes. Um, before we get back into the prelims, um, Brian Bryan's asking here, what are your thoughts on how Edson Barboza looked on the scale? Uh, he looked really sucked out. I mean, he, he's a really muscular guy. He's not like a guy that, that carries a lot of water weight. Uh, so, when he has to cut it all out of him to make 145 pounds, it shows. Uh, so he, he looked like a really muscular skeleton on there. Um, I, I don't know if this is a sustainable move for him. I'm not a fan of guys moving down in weight, especially later in their careers. I'm always a fan uh, of fighters moving up in weight uh, at any stage in their career. Uh, as close to, you can fight to your walk around weight, I feel like is the healthiest thing to do and the best way to have a long uh, career. Any thoughts on the, on how uh, Barbosa looked on the scale, Jeff? Yeah, dude, he looked really gaunt. You know, his face was really sucked in. So, you know, I, I don't know how good of a weight cut he could have, you know, given the circumstances of life right now. But uh, I'm with you, Bill. I don't like fighters dropping weight, you know, later on in their career. Uh, you know, it's just harder to lose weight as you get older. Um, and dude, the truth. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting... 
pretty close to to that point. So I gotta I gotta get cracking on this diet. But um, the point is, you know, uh, I've never been a fan. We haven't seen much success from guys who've dropped, uh, gone down in weight classes. You know, T.J. Dillashaw got knocked out by Henry Cejudo. Um, uh, what's his name? Max Holloway. Um, Actually, no, he was, he was the other way around. He went up to 155 and mm-hmm. lost to uh, Dustin Poirier. But the point is, uh, I can't really recall off the top of my head anybody who was too successful going down a weight class. Yeah, I, I can't either. I can think of a lot more examples of, of guys who looked better. Um, you, you know, Anthony Pettis, when he moved down to 145, that was, that was tough to watch as well. Uh, what Max Holloway did to him there. Um, definitely, definitely much more success stories with, with guys who have moved up and wait, even with Ovin St. Pru. I mean, he went the distance with, with Ben Rothwell, who's one of the bigger heavyweights uh, after moving up. Um, so he didn't look terrible and he, and he even won that third round, I think. Yeah. Um, so Jacob joined the show. Welcome Jacob. He wants to know, do you think Barbosa wins? Um, yeah, of course he can. I mean, Dan EJ is a really tough fighter, much smaller, um, e- even smaller than a lot of natural featherweights. So Barbosa is definitely going to have a big size advantage moving down from 155. Uh, he's going to bring a lot of his explosiveness and power there. Uh, but EJ is a tough guy too. I mean, he's a tough out for anybody. Um, and, and we're going to see what Barbosa's cardio looks like after that tough weight cut. Um, but he, he definitely has you know, packs the power, uh, to get it done here tonight. I think the sooner he's able to finish the fight, the better. Um, and that's my thought on it. What do you think, Jeff? I don't know, dude. Uh, Danny is a tough dude, especially at 145. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, you know, Barbosa can win, of course, but Danny Gay, he's a tough customer and he's well-rounded. So Barbosa, he's going to have a handful here. Yeah. Yeah. It should be an interesting fight. And uh, we decided to do just the top three fights because uh, two and a half hours on Wednesday was a little bit too long to talk. And uh, I I had almost no voice on Thursday, Jeff. I don't know about you, um, but I was dehydrating myself uh, with a lot of whiskey, which is also the plan tonight. Uh, I'm drinking Old Granddad, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, one of the best uh, bangs for your buck as far as bourbon goes. You can find a bottle for like 15, 16 bucks. This is the 80 proof. Uh, I typically go for the 100 proof bonded. Uh, uh, of course, the bottled and bond act, it has to be aged for a minimum of four years by law. One of the best laws ever passed by this great nation, the United States. But uh, this is a high rye mash bill. So it's got a little spice to it, a little kick to it. Even for an 80 proof, uh, you get a little bit of burn. Uh, but it has a smooth finish, nice, smooth vanilla finish. Um, so cheers to everybody who tuned in. Cheers to our buddy, Matt, who just got the notification, and he's joined in here. Brian wants to know what software we're using to broadcast. We are using StreamYard, which was actually a recommendation from you, my friend. Um, and that allows us to broadcast simultaneously to Facebook and YouTube, which is what we're doing, which is why we have people from both joining in here. Uh, so, Jeff, I know you're not sipping on anything, but um, which fight out of the three, which fights out of the three that we're going to cover um, are you most looking forward to here? 
Hmm. I'll be honest with you, Bill. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of narratives and the stories going into fights. So I'm super excited for this main event here. You know, Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris. Um, but Bill, I, I just feel a little bit bad for Walt Harris because, um, you know, I don't know how comfortable he is with, with all the interviews and stuff. And in one of the um, videos uh, for the preview of this fight earlier today, you know, you saw him crying as he was talking about uh, his daughter and how he recognized her because of a pair of boots that he had just bought her. So, you know, I, I kind of, I feel for him, you know, it's a huge tragedy for anybody to go through and, I can't even imagine for him how hard it is to have to keep telling the story, you know? Oh yeah. And that's going to be for the rest of his life. Unfortunately, this will be a part of him forever. Um, and, uh, I, I hate to cut to a different topic so abruptly, especially something that's so uh, emotional, but this fight is underway. So if you guys want to sync up with us, we are at four minutes and 20 seconds of round number one and Barbosa just knocked down EJ and this fight has gone to the ground. EJ's working his guard here. He's uh, hunting for arms. He's he's trying to just get a hold of Barbosa and stop him from hitting him right now. You can really see the size difference here in this grappling exchange, Jeff. Um, and Barbosa just holding EJ down by his throat. He's just big brothering him right now. <laughs> yeah, dude. And, you know, EJ is doing a good job fighting from the bottom, trying to break Barbosa's posture. But, you know, Barbosa's a big dude and he's strong and he's being very active right now. So I don't know how well this is going to go for him. Yeah, just those hammer fists just look so ferocious. And I don't know if it's my. ESPN plus that's freezing and making him look even harder and faster because it's like it freezes at the top of the hammer fist and then it flashes down or, or maybe Barbosa is just that fast, but uh, ESPN plus is garbage, man. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I only have this because it was part of a bundle deal. Yeah. I don't think I would um, get it by itself. And, and you know what, from what I understand, talking to other people who watch other sports, which I, don't um the the platform is is flawless like you're not gonna see glitches like this for nba or or you know major league baseball or whatever else curling whatever else they have on espn plus i don't even know when i downloaded the app i set it up so that it only shows me like mma and boxing and uh the, the one other thing i've been watching is the the last dance documentary series about the Chicago bulls. And it's been really awesome. A lot of great nostalgia there. I don't give two fucks about basketball, but um, there was something about Michael Jordan, man, that was just so special. And uh, now we're back on the feet in this fight. And uh, our buddy rip life King has joined the show. And he said, did you get it mainly for Disney? Come on. Of course. Of course, of course I did. I'm a, I'm a Marvel fan. So, you know, I got my Marvel movies. Um, I got my Marvel movies queued up. And also it came with Hulu. So um, Hulu's streaming, streaming some good shows. So, Bill, I'm basically set for quarantine. Myself, I couldn't live without Disney Plus. You know this, Jeff, because of my two-year-old daughter. And uh, I watched Frozen 4,000 times during quarantine quarantine of course uh our buddy ryan from rip life king uh rip life team reaper uh is the one who's been working on our mma on the rocks t-shirts uh 
that you guys have seen on social media. You saw I was just holding up the team, the awesome looking Team Reaper logo here. I'm a big fan of the way that thing looks. Yeah, dude. I'm a fan of the back of the shirts too, dude. Like the front looks awesome, but I love the back. It's got the the flag. Uh, it looks kind of like it's a little torn up, a little dinged up, but I, I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like symbolic of, of the real American flag. You know, it's been through a lot. Uh, EJ is cut under his right eye here. Uh, he's, he's bleeding not nearly as much as Darren Elkins was bleeding earlier in the night. Uh, but you could tell, and he's got like a, like a bruise above his right eyebrow. Uh, Barbosa is dinging him up, but Barbosa seems to be bleeding from his left eye as well. Or maybe it's a cut on his nose right next to his eye. These guys are swinging. Barbosa unleashing that patented switch kick there. Yeah, dude. And, you know, you worry with these eye injuries sometimes because, like you said, sometimes they'll bleed into the eye. I don't think that's going to be a problem for Ige in this one. Um, but, dude, that Darren Elkins fight, it was looking bad. You know, um, as Jim J.R. Ross would say in the WWE, Bill, Darren Elkins was donning the proverbial crimson mask. <laughs> okay. Um, I I don't think I've ever heard uh, Jim Ross say that one. He must have developed that one after after I stopped uh, watching WWE. So end of the first round there, uh, I think a clear, clear round for Barbosa. He had the knockdown. He had that top control, dropping big shots from there. Ige got his licks in, uh, but definitely not enough to win him the round. Uh, I think the judging is is maybe a little bit better than we saw on Wednesday night. I don't know if it's the same judges or not. Uh, or I don't even know where the judges are, what, what they're doing with them. It, it's got to be interesting because obviously there's no audience um, because of the coronavirus and everything that's going on. We got to, we got to mention that here uh, in case anybody's listening to this, you know, years down the line. Uh, but because of everything going on with the coronavirus, there can't be an audience in attendance for this fight. Uh, which, which has to impact the judging and, and possibly the refereeing and, and a whole bunch of other things that we've been talking about uh, over the course of the last couple of fights. Um, and it feels like we never lost MMA to me, Jeff. I mean, it just came back last Saturday after, I think, a 10-week hiatus. And uh, here we're looking at some of the highlights of the first round, uh, Barbosa's combinations and just the way he sees things. But uh, Ige landed a nice flying knee. Uh, Bill, <clears throat> just to uh, build on your uh, comment about audiences, I think it's affecting the judging in a positive way. You know, you don't have uh, the judge, the uh, crowd, you know, booing or um, cheering uh, certain shots when they haven't been hard shots. Uh, you could hear kind of how hard the shots are uh, without the audience. So I, I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting dynamic that we have here. Uh, and like I said, with the last one, you know, if there's a heavy grappling exchange, uh, a lot of audiences would do that. And we're not seeing that here. So, yeah, uh, I think it's, in, I think it's interesting. Um, as for the judging, I mean, the refereeing, I, I haven't noticed too much of a difference, but uh, so far I think the judges have been doing a good job tonight, which uh, I think is a rarity to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't like the uh, 
the Marlon Vera call. I thought Vera should have gotten it, but like I said, those first two rounds are super close and you can't go back and change them after the third round. But after the third round, it, it was like, man, he really deserves to win because mm. he really turned it up in that third round there. Uh, Ige holding Barbosa up against the cage here. If you're just joining us, we are watching UFC on ESPN eight live. Uh, so if you want to sync up with us, we're at three minutes and 40 seconds of round number two in this fight. Uh, and if you're not watching the fight, that's cool too. Uh, uh, make sure to comment, let us know what you're drinking out there while you're joining us, uh, you know, sit and have a drink with us. Uh, Ige is working the body, uh, which is a smart move working the body while he's being tie clinched by Barbosa who just spun it around. Yeah. And it and just now goes they to broke. Show. Barbosa landed some big knees in that clinch as well. Yeah, and it just goes to show how physically strong Barbosa is, man, because uh and, and the size differential too. I I didn't notice it up until they were up against the cage. And you're right, Bill. Barbosa looks at least a weight class above him. Yeah, well, I mean, pretty much is. <laughs> I mean, credit to him. He made weight, came down and made weight. Uh you gotta feel for Barbosa, man, because if he was anything but a lightweight, I mean, he, he would be a top fighter, maybe a, maybe a title contender, but that's just such a stacked weight class. It, it's like, what can you do? I mean, it's killer after killer after killer, you know? Yeah, dude, it's the cream of the crop there. You know, the 155 pound division has become one, I, I think one of the most competitive and one of the most exciting divisions uh, in recent memory, man. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, you got everybody um khabib justin gaethje uh you know eddie alvarez was in the mix for a while and and just you know like a dynasty of good fighters man yeah tony ferguson and then barbosa had a rough fight with kevin lee um so yeah killers row at 155 oh yeah and, uh, you could tell barbosa didn't like those body shots when he was up against the cage this is why he he, he spun out of there immediately uh, so it would be a good strategy for EA to close the distance uh, where he can't be kicked. And here he is. He's he's clinched again, and he's going to the body again. Uh, landed landed Ooh, some tight nice elbows on a break there, too. Yeah, really nice from Dan Ige. Um, yeah. yeah, credit to Dan Ige because it's Barbosa initiating the, you know, initiating the clinch. And Ige is happy to let him, you know, clinch his head while he works Barbosa's body. So, you know, good strategy from Ige. Yeah, and Barbosa looks like he's trying to set up a darts choke here. Uh, he's got that front headlock position. He's trying to reach under the neck and grab his own bicep, and he yeah. let it go. Yeah, Ige did a good job defending that, just opening up the arm so that there was more space for him to breathe. So credit to him on that. Big uh, counter left hook from Barbosa there. It looked like it stunned EJ a little bit. These guys are slinging, man. This is a good fight. Yeah, dude, they're throwing Ige, you know, start had a rough first round, but I think he's done a lot more work in this one. Um, Bill, I, I couldn't tell you who gets this round, you know, a lot closer than the first round. It's probably going to come down to these last 35 seconds, which if you're just joining, we're at 35 seconds of uh, round two. Dan Ige, Edson Barbosa. Oh, that might have cost Ige the round there. Uh, he went in for a clinch and kind of slipped, it looked like, and Barbosa wound up on top. Um, so unless he can get up here, Barbosa is going to finish the round on top, landing these big hammer fists. He might be stealing around right here. Yeah. No attempt from Ige to get up here. 
Uh, he should be trying to get a butterfly hook here. He's trying to get that right leg in there, but he he was really just he was just really hanging on to Barbosa's neck, trying to hold him down. You can't wait for a stand up when there's 15 seconds left in the round. I think Barbosa just stole that one there. Yeah, but Bill Ige looked like he was breathing heavy at the end of that round too, so he might be starting to wear out here. Yeah, and uh, Barbosa looks like his cardio is holding up at this weight class. I think there's some interesting fights, man. Barbosa and Holloway. That would be a really fun fight at 145. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I could see him fighting, um, what's his name? I'm blanking on it. The kid from California, uh, T-City. Brian Ortega. Yeah, I, I'd love to see Brian Ortega versus Edson Barbosa. I think that's a really fun fight, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, we haven't seen Brian Ortega in a while. Um, well, not since Max Holloway broke his face. Yeah, <laughs> one of the, I think one of the most classic moments in Max Holloway's career is going to be when he put Brian Ortega's hands up for him. <laughs> it was like, come on, man, you got to keep your hands up. <laughs> yeah, and dude. they continued to piece him up. Uh, our buddy Ryan, I think, said uh, it's two nothing Barboza. I agree, especially because of the end of the round there where Barboza wound up on top. We're getting ready to start the third round here. Great fight. Great fight. Yeah. Uh, thanks, and- everybody, for tuning in. We are at four minutes, 50 seconds of round number three. Danny Gay, Edson Barbosa. <clears throat> yeah, and, and Danny uh, Gay, he's not totally out of this one yet, Bill. You know, he's putting up a fight. Those body shots were working for him. I saw a couple of leg kicks that I liked, so I think he needs to go back to the well on that. Yeah, Barbosa just landed a nasty switch kick to the body. His switch kick is so lightning fast. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, and there's no tell when he does it either. Yeah, he can he can just he throws it like he's throwing a jab. It it's like it it doesn't even it doesn't even look natural. Like a human shouldn't be able to move that fast. Yeah, and he can turn on a dime too. We've seen him throw, you know, spinning back kicks like that too, and just nail the body, man. Definitely one of the most explosive strikers probably in the history of the UFC. Uh, that guy has an awesome highlight reel. And uh, unfortunately for him, it, like I said before, he just happened to be around in the wrong era, in the wrong division. <laughs> uh, because any other era or any other division, and you know, he probably could have been a world champion. Yeah, dude. And he's got a great camp too, man. Trains with Mark Henry and Ricardo Almeida, you know, the same guys that uh, Frankie Edgar trains with, the same guys that Angela Hill trains with, you know, uh, she's coming up. Uh, her fight is next as well. And, you know, that's a great camp out here in Jersey, dude. Um, so very well-rounded, you know, I, we haven't seen Barbosa on the ground too much, but he can get it done on the ground as well. Yeah. And I imagine there's been some good training there because Mark Henry, who is one of the head coaches that's not talked about enough. He has he has a pizza shop in Jersey, right? And he has a gym in the basement underneath it uh, where he brings, like, all the high-level, like, UFC fighters, and he does, you know, private consultation-type lessons with them. And, and um, so I'm sure during all the quarantine, you know, he's been bringing these UFC fighters like Frankie Edgar, like Edson Barboza, uh, all these guys, uh, Zabit, 
Magomed Sharipov. I'm sure he's been bringing him to the pizza shop basement for some training. And it looked like Ige just got dropped there. Um, he kind of face planted a little bit. Another switch kick to the body by Barbosa. Barbosa is really, it looks like he's really picking up steam in this third round here, Jeff. Yeah, and Ige is breathing heavy, man. I don't know if his cardio is going to be able to hold up. You know, he's just looking a lot slower, whereas Barbosa, he looks like he's coming out for the second round, maybe even the first round. To his credit, though, I don't know if I'd be breathing at all if I took those switch kicks to the body from Edson Barbosa. <laughs> so which there's is, that. He's also totally beating up that uh, that lead leg of Dan Ige with those with those outside leg kicks, his, his leg is looking really raw right now. And he's got a, he's got a hematoma just under, um, just under the outside part of his knee as well. Uh, so yeah. I'm seeing that too, man. It's looking, his legs looking like a Christmas ham, Bill, <laughs> a glazed Christmas ham. Yeah. <laughs> he ate doing whatever he can to try and get this to the ground. Got Barbosa up against the ground. He's hooking the leg, doing a good job here. Got a nice body lock, lifted him up. Wow, takes him right down into nice. side control. Landing some big shots. Man, Dan Ige is not out of this fight, Jeff. Yeah, but he's only got a minute to work with here, Bill. So we got to see what he can do. You know, he's, he's trying to work past his butterfly guard. I think he should just start throwing hammers to the body, go to the head, just do whatever you can. Forget about the grappling at this point. Yeah, Barbosa did a good job recovering. He's got his butterfly guard here. He's going to look for a sweep to stand up, I think, because uh, he's not going to want to stay on the ground. He's going to want to finish this on the feet. We only got 30 seconds left in the round. Yeah, you guys uh, got to do something if he's going to win this fight, man. Barboza breathing heavy, though, and it up until just now, no attempt to lift Dan Ige at all, and Ige is just hanging on for dear life. Um, he, even if he's able to steal this round, though, you got to figure he's lost the first two. He should be looking for a finish here, but he's just looking to hold Barbosa down. Um, if, if he were able to do this in the first two rounds, That'd be a different story. Barbosa breathing real heavy, man. He's not even trying for a sweep here. Yeah, and Ige is starting to throw his elbows in there, but that's the fight, Bill, and I think it's going to go to Barbosa. Yeah, I, I I would think so, too. Uh, Ige might have stolen that third round there. Uh, credit to him for staying in there, especially after uh, taking those body kicks, you know, having the cardio to to get that takedown and, and stay on top for the last minute or so there. Uh, and Barbosa looks pretty winded at the end of that. So if he's going to stay at 145 and, and eventually go five rounds with a Max Holloway or an Alexander Volkanovsky, he's going to have to figure out uh, a way to, you know, make this a sustainable weight class for him. Um, uh, he looked fantastic in those first two rounds. I think definitely one knows. Uh, if you guys are just tuning in, we're watching UFC on ESPN eight. We call this the brawl crawl. It's like a bar crawl, but we watch fights, uh, because we don't want to call it a fight companion because you know, too many other people call it that. So brawl crawl. It is. Let us know in the comments what you guys are drinking out there while you're watching the fights. We haven't heard what anybody's drinking yet. I am sipping on some old granddad, high rye mash bill, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, so let us know what you got in your glasses out there. And uh, I doubt anybody's drinking Modelo. But 
Brian Jeffrey thinks 29-28 Barbosa. I agree. Yeah, hard to argue with that. He actually says Barzuka. <laughs> That's probably Which, what his leg kicks feel like. <laughs> yeah. Like a Barzuka. I think he I think he wrote that the first time too and I just I just subconsciously read Barbosa. Oh wow. Dan Egan getting the decision. Wow. Oh man, sorry. I uh I don't think so, man. I mean, right, bro. it's nice to know that some things are still the same. <laughs> yeah. Um wow. So Okay, so he probably stole that third round. The second round was close, but Barbosa finished on top with those big hammer fists. Uh, I mean, I I could... No, no, I don't see it. I don't see it. Barbosa should have won. Yeah, dude. I, I don't see anything in those first two rounds that would give Ige the win here. Uh I mean, if they just showed the highlight of that flying knee, you would think, oh, man, he crushed him. <laughs> uh, anyway, Brian's drinking Prairie Peach Wheat by Thunderhead Brewing. Shout out to Thunderhead Brewing, where Brian is a brewer, brewing all your favorite kinds of German-style beers. Um, Brian, if you want to let people know, how widely available that is. Feel free. Ryan says, how the fuck did Barboza lose? Well, um, there's three judges <laughs> and uh, they were all wrong. <laughs> that's my, that's my professional analysis. My, my professional bourbon driven analysis. All right. Um, Jeff, I hate to, uh, I hate to interrupt this good time with some more bad news, but I, I heard this earlier this morning and one, another one of my favorite comedic actors of all time, Fred Willard passed away at the age of 86. Um, he was just a guy for me that when you, he would appear in all these random things and he was mostly an improv comedian. And whenever he showed up in something, it just made you feel good. Like, Oh, there's Fred Willard. Um, and, and he could make me laugh like he could completely slay with one line. Um, he, this is Spinal Tap, A Mighty Wind, Best in Show, all those Christopher Guest movies he showed up in. And then uh, American Wedding, he, paid, he played like the father-in-law. Um, man, he would just kill it. And, and always so funny. Uh, A Mighty Wind, one of my favorite uh, movies of all time, just one of those mockumentary style movies about a uh, you know folk music and uh it, it it wasn't like a great movie by any stretch but i just love it i just loved the the way the characters interacted and it was mostly because of fred willard he just cracked me up in that movie so um damn another one man just last week we were talking about jerry stiller and now we lose fred willard um you know two of the funniest older older gentleman uh, in the entertainment in industry. And it's a, it's a really sad thing, Jeff. Uh, you have any, uh, have any good memories of, of old Fred you want to share? 
Yeah, dude. Uh, and he, for me, you know, I saw him in some smaller stuff as well. Uh, just minor roles here and there, but he was so funny, dude. Um, I remember him being uh, the grandfather on the paternal side in a, a modern family. And uh, there was this one line bill and it always cracks me up because it's so dumb, but it's so well delivered where um, I think it's the son or whatever says, uh, hey, listen, I got this website. I'll send you the link. And um, <clears throat> Fred Willard says to him, well, I smoke sausages and I'll send you a link. <laughs> it just cracks me <laughs> up every time. <laughs> yeah, oh, he was, It was always like very clean, very innocent kind of humor. Um, like very like dad jokey. Um, but yeah, his timing was just there, man. He knew how to hit those spots. He would never have like a huge role in anything, but you always remembered him like you would remember those small parts he had in those movies huh and uh yeah man so shout out to the uh the family of fred willard uh that's a that's a definitely a tragedy um uh, brian says that thunderhead brewing beer is only available in nebraska and their most popular beer is a braggot it's a honey beer so if you ever find yourself in nebraska definitely hit up thunderhead brewing um, it has my seal of approval for whatever that means. Um, some good news, Jeff. Uh, we can we can move on from uh, the tragic news. Uh, Kevin Randleman inducted to the UFC Hall of Fame, former UFC heavyweight champion. Uh, put on some epic fights in Pride. Uh, go back and watch Kevin Randleman versus Fedor, because uh, I remember watching this fight. Uh, when it happened and uh, or just after it happened, but I didn't know the result and my jaw hit the floor when I watched this fight. Um, so, so go and watch that. If you've never seen it, if you, if you haven't watched much pride fighting, but Kevin Randleman, just an, an absolute monster died tragically in 2016. He had a really terrible staph infection that basically put a hole in his chest uh, like, like the size of your head. Uh, it, it was really gruesome. Uh, it's really scary to see what happens uh, when you have an untreated staph infection. Uh, he was one of the first guys to to put elite level wrestling together inside uh, the MMA Reagan Cage. Uh, All American wrestler at Ohio State, two time NCAA champion, uh, and when he won the NCAA championships in his first year, Jeff. He had his jaw dislocated in the tournament and still went on to win. Just an absolute monster. Uh, Well-deserved to be in the UFC Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Uh, you got any uh, Kevin Randleman memories you want to share, Jeff? Yeah, dude. Uh, Kevin Randleman, <clears throat> an absolute monster in that cage. You know, that's why hearing that nickname, Monster. And, dude, I just remember him, and I know he lost to – uh, Fedor Milinenko, but dude, that slam before, beforehand, you know, you've never seen somebody do that to Fedor Milinenko, man. Um, you know, just such a huge athlete, you know, unbelievably athletic Kevin Randleman. And, you know, just from stories that we've heard from Mark Coleman, just such a nice guy too, outside of the cage, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, it, and just like, he was one of the first guys too that I remember using the wrestling in reverse because he used to like to stand and strike 
Uh, and, and good luck taking Kevin Randleman down. <laughs> the guy had tree trunk legs. Uh, <laughs> so even if you could grab a hold of one of them, you know, good luck taking them down. And just a really tough, um, really athletic, explosive fighter. Um, and, yeah, uh, it, it's a shame that he passed the way he did with that staph infection, man. That was just absolutely gruesome let's um let's go back and look at at some of the the past fights from tonight tell me jeff who impressed you the most uh out of all the prelims all right hold on because i got um on my phone here let me just go down the list um hmm oh dude i got it um for me the most impressive fighter so far in the prelims was Miguel Baeza, dude. Um, just being able to withstand Matt Brown's power. And, you know, they dropped each other in the first round. First, uh, you know, Miguel Baeza got hit so hard that his mouthpiece flew out of his mouth. Dude, you know you hit somebody hard when that happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, took some some brutal shots from Matt Brown, but then he was able to deliver some damage as well. He dropped Matt Brown at the end of the first round. And in that second round, um, you know, he knew Matt Brown was going to come forward. So he had, you know, he had the game plan. He steps to the side and just lands this huge left hook uh, that, and Matt Brown just kind of ran into it. So we saw that, you know, Miguel Baeza, yes, he's a technical fighter, but he's packed some power as well. I thought I think that's a huge feather in his cap, man. Matt Brown is one tough dude. You know, um, he he kind of got into fighting just by fighting. You know, he, he he wasn't formally trained. He I think he did like one training session and then he like signed up for an amateur fight the next day or something. At least from what I heard from the Joe Rogan podcast. But you it's know it's gotta be true then. Yeah, I mean, you know, those are the toughest guys to fight. You know, those guys who are just natural fighters. Um, You know, a lot of people get into this for self-defense or because they want to do a sport or something. But, you know, those guys who who get into it because they, you know, actually want to fight and and let out that power and stuff. Those are the guys you have to worry about. And I think that the way Baeza approached this fight was good. You know, he was able to change up his strategy realized that he didn't want to sit there in the pocket with Matt Brown and, you know, just had the right game plan and stays undefeated in the UFC. So good for him, dude. For me, he, he he's the, the one fighter who's impressed me the most this evening. Yeah, he looked awesome. And I think there was a level of shock in that first round too, where it was like, holy shit, I'm in here with Matt Brown because yeah. he had said he had watched his whole career. He watched him on the ultimate fighter um, you know, being 12 years younger than Matt Brown, I'm sure he's seen every one of his fights, but I think once he kind of shook that off, he realized like, Oh, well I can hang with Matt Brown. And the other thing was, you know, Matt kept coming forward, uh, with his chin up. He was really looking for that over the top right elbow. Uh, he, I mean, he was landing it a lot, but he kept going to it over and over again. Uh, it, it seems to be one of his preferred moves and and you could tell, um, you know, he looked good, man, for 39 years old. Uh, you know, I know he does a lot of work with like those weighted, um, those weighted mace dumbbells and stuff. Uh, so you could tell, you know, the way he swings his shoulder when he's bringing that elbow over the top, uh, he looked awesome. That, that first round was incredible, man. That's one of the, the best rounds of fighting you could ever watch. Um, it, it would have been the best round on the card if 
uh, Darren Elkins and Nate Landwehr hadn't have happened uh, because that that's the fight of the night for me. I, it, it doesn't even matter what happens in the next two fights. Um, it, you know, hopefully I can eat my words and we end up with, uh, you know, an epic main event and co-main event, but I don't see how it gets much better than that, man. Darren Elkins just bleeding from pr- probably every pore in his face and uh, still coming forward and throwing his hands up like, let's go, let's do this. And Nate Landwehr just shouting at Dana White for no reason. <laughs> Dana! <laughs> <laughs> um, it was... It, it, it was kind of cringeworthy and, and awesome all at the same time. Some great exchanges between those two guys. Um, if you guys watching and listening to this did not watch that fight uh, at, at the end of this night or, or tomorrow morning while you're having your coffee or whatever, go back and watch that fight because it was absolutely insane. Um, give me your thoughts on that one, Jeff. Oh, dude, the whole prelims were fantastic. And we had hold on let me see one two yeah two decisions on the entirety of the prelim card yet two very exciting decisions one of them being landwehr versus darren elkins dude for me that's fight of the year i don't care what happens until december for me that is fight of the year (laughs) um first round you know darren elkins comes out with the wrestling doing a great job and then nate landwehr once he got Darren Elkins timing down was able to find his range a little bit was really taking it to Darren Elkins dude throwing everything at him knees elbows uh you know his boxing was looking really good once he was able to get Darren Elkins timing down and Nate Landwehr just putting on a clinic dude you know outclassing uh Darren Elkins in on the on the feet of course but dude uh you know, unbelievable performance from both of these guys. And like you said, the end of that second round, they're both yelling at nobody because there's nobody <laughs> in the audience. And Darren Elkins bleeding all over the canvas, bleeding all over land where, you know, at the end of this fight, they were both covered in Darren Elkins blood. And dude, oh man, dude, I, I can't say enough good things about this fight. You just got to go back and watch it. Matter of fact, go back and watch the, all of the prelim fights. They were absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I don't, I want to get into all of the prelims and uh, we'll we'll talk about them one at a time. Uh, we're about to get into the strawweight bout between Claudia Gadelia, former title contender, and Angela Hill, who I think has fought um, fifty-seven times since the last time Claudia Gadelia has been in there. Uh, she just seems to be fighting like every other week, uh, you know, before the quarantine, of course. But yeah, that Darren Elkins fight, man, and, and Nate Landwehr, uh, instant classic. I think. And that is the reason that the octagon is spattered with blood uh, currently, but let's get into this one, Jeff, Angela Hill coming in as the underdog here, but uh, she's, she's been on a tear lately uh, and just seems like she'll fight um, any amount of times. Uh, I think, you know, she's got a considerable amount of fights uh, in the last couple of months. Claudia Gedalia hasn't fought in almost a year. Um, she changed camps. Uh, she's up there with Mark Henry now, I believe. And, uh, she wanted to take some time to learn his striking system. I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn with that. I don't know if, uh, if that's where she moved exactly. Uh, I gotta get a look at her corner. If I could see them unmasked (laughs) for a second. Yeah, dude. I, I don't remember if it was Angela Hill who, uh, moved up to train with Mark Henry. Um, 
But I know it's one of these two gals. And credit to them, dude, because Barboza just fought. So, you know, that, that corner had to quickly, you know, go to the back, debrief with Barbosa, and then set up to 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 help, you know, in this fight. And uh, we're underway with this fight. We're at uh, four minutes, 45 seconds of round number one. If you want to sync up with us, if you're just joining US, UFC on ESPN 8, Angela Hill versus Claudia Gedalia. And uh, Angela Hill just uh, going with a big right straight to the body. Looked nice. And, uh, yeah, dude, and to add to that comment, yeah, dude, that all the blood spattered around the big monster logo in the middle of the octagon. That it is all from the Darren Elkins uh, and Nate Landwer fight. So definitely go back and watch that one. I can't say enough good things about it, man. Yeah. All, all these fighters that fought afterwards better hope that Darren Elkins doesn't end up testing positive for COVID-19 <laughs> because they've all been dancing around in his blood. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. Ever since. Um... No, Claudia Gadelia looks like she had a good weight cut, dude. She was looking real thin at the weigh-ins and she's looking, you know, she she's looking like plumped up like she did a good job hydrating. So Signs of a good win. Yeah, yeah, she she looks like she's she's super muscular, you know, but I'm sure she's probably pretty tiny if you see her in person. Um, but it, it, it seems odd that she fights way down at 115 for for having so much apparent muscle. But, um, you know, they look pretty equal in size in there. And I know Angela Hill is someone who has talked about, you know, wishing that there was a 105-pound division. Yeah, but she looks good at 115, dude. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I, I just feel like th there aren't too many fighters in the 115-pound division that I would say are considerably smaller than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, Michelle Waterson, uh, you know, former Adam Weight champion in Invicta, um, she probably would like to have that weight class back, but... Um, you know, she looks, you know, comparable size-wise to the other girls in this division. Um, you know, 10 pounds, though, is a big difference when you get to be that small. And uh, Claudia Gadelia, I guess, got tired of the, the stand-up exchange. She's got double underhooks up against the cage. Uh, looks like she's trying to drag Angela Hill down. Angela Hill's really trying hard to whiz her with her left arm. Yeah, but Claudia Gadelia is just such a strong fighter, you know, physically for 115. We've seen her, you know, throw people around in there. Yeah, this is a good strategy here too, tying Angela Hill up, you know, trying to get the blood flowing in her arms because Angela has such fast hands. Uh, so you want to do everything you can to try and slow those down. Um, she hasn't really changed levels yet. She's trying to here. Um but it, it seemed like she was just trying to tie her up for a little while. But now it seems like she's trying to hook a leg and uh, and get her down to the mat. Of course, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt is Claudia Gedalia. But, uh, you know, Angela Hill can handle can definitely handle herself on the ground as well. They're right in front of Dana White right now, who looks so disinterested. <laughs> yeah, they're not impressing the boss with this performance so far, especially after the prelims. You know, I think the most exciting fights on the card so far have been Barbosa and the opener with uh, Yudong Song, but I don't know, man. 
I, I just feel like, like you said, the the prelims kind of spoiled us here because they were so exciting that I expected the main card to deliver as well. But yeah, we're not seeing yeah, that before. That's the way it goes sometimes. Gadelia did get that takedown right into side control. And um, Angela Hill looks like she's kind of panicking down there. Uh, she She's shrimping out to the wrong side. Uh, she needs to be moving her hips away from Claudia Gadelia. She's moving them into her, which is actually just improving Claudia's control. Now she, Claudia's got her up against the cage and side control. She's trying to go for a crucifix. This could be really bad news for Angela Hill right here. She's trying to walk up the cage with her feet. She's just trying anything except the proper technique to get out of this position. <laughs> yeah, but Gadelia's not making it easy for her. Good ground and pound, using the elbows, shots from the top. Oh, now she's got the top crucifix, bringing down some big shots on Angela Hill's face. Angela's slowly getting up, but that had to drain a lot of energy out of her to do that, uh, especially yeah. the way she was flailing around on the ground. Um, big finish in the round for Claudia Gadelia. Managed, I, I would imagine that she stole the round there, um, but the way the judging is going, um, it's anybody's guess, Jeff. Yeah, dude, we could have it. Angela Hill up three rounds after only the first round. So <laughs> the way the judging's been this evening, crazier things, about it. crazier things have happened. Um, if you guys are still uh, alive out there, let us know what you're drinking, please. Um, we've only heard from one person as far as what they're sipping on. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, I think I'm on my fourth bourbon here, Jeff. Yeah, dude. And for those of you out there, give me some book recommendations. I'll order them through Amazon. I don't know how, I don't know about how avid readers or listeners are, but you know they they may surprise me here. Yeah, um, but you don't know the audience. We could have a whole bunch of you know scholarly, intellectual college professors or like janitors who solve math problems at colleges where they work, left by those math professors. Um, could have a good was, hunting situation. I was gonna say that was a, that was Matt Damon and that was a movie. <laughs> was it? Is that where I'm getting that from? Yes. Uh, second round underway here. Um, if you want to sync up with us, we're at four minutes forty eight seconds. Round number two. Daly with a nice inside leg kick. She's throwing. Uh, she's switching stances really well. Uh, her stand up is looking is looking pretty nice, but Angela Hill still with the quicker hands here, but Angela's getting a little bit wild. She seems to be almost panicking a little bit. Uh, she's, she's winging some punches, which is not like her because she's got a real, usually has a really composed Muay Thai style and, uh, the winging punches is not, um, it's not part of that style. Yeah, dude, I think that round made Angela Hill a little bit nervous. I don't think she expected Gadelia to use the grappling so heavily. And, you know, I, I don't know how prepared Angela Hill is um, just because Gadelia has. Ooh, and uh, Angela Hill lands a nice right cross, puts Gadelia down, but Gadelia able to get back up. Mm -hmm. Well, and she was stood up because Angela Hill backed up and Keith Peterson stepped in with his bush light breath to uh, <laughs> yeah to this oh, like not interesting bill because angela hill might feel a little bit more comfortable letting her hands go after that 
Yeah, and another right straight down the pipe. Claudia Gadelia is bleeding from her right eye, it looks like right now. But uh, these girls are still, you know, every time one lands, the other counters. Gadelia going for an outside single right there. Let's it go. Uh, our buddy Matt answered that he's drinking Eagle Rare. Uh, so he's drinking what I was drinking on the last show. I'm a trendsetter, Jeff. What can I say? He also answered your question, and he said that you should read Jack Carr. Oh, check him out. We've got Allison joining the podcast. Allison is drinking Silver Star Vodka with raspberry lemonade sparkling water. That sounds super refreshing. I've never had Silver Star Vodka. Uh, I'm not a big vodka drinker. When I do drink vodka, I do like uh, Tito's. So mm -hmm. if it's comparable to Tito's, then uh, maybe I'll give it a shot. I'm always willing to try new things. Let us know how that Silver Star is treating you out there. Allison, thanks for tuning in. And now Angela Hill pushing Claudia Gedalia up against the cage. Yeah, good job from Angela Hill because she was in a little bit of a tight spot there and able to just spin Gedalia around. And now Hill is taking control back in this clinch position. I like what Claudia is doing here. She's using like a standing butterfly hook, just just putting her legs leg up in between Angela Hill's legs to keep the distance. Uh, because she's not worried about Angela going for the takedown. So she's able to use that hook to just keep some space. And it worked. She got off against the cage, and now they're out in the middle of the octagon again, exchanging punches. Yeah, I, I think Angela Hill is going to be a lot happier with this second round. You know, she's able to not only keep the fight on the feet, but use her tools a little bit more effectively in the second round. Yeah, she, she definitely seemed out of her element when she got taken down in the first and uh, she seems to be uh, loosening up, coming out of her shell. Um, I, I like seeing the the straight punches from her. She's having more success with that than when she's throwing the wild winging stuff. Uh, so if she can stay composed, because uh, when she throws the winging stuff, she's taking her eyes off her target, and she's just slinging the hands. Um, but when she's at her best is when she's laser-focused and throwing stuff down the pipe and using that Muay Thai style. Uh, to, to control the distance. Yeah, and Gadelia's making a good use of the jab here. It seems to be working for her just because Angela Hill, you know, throwing a, little, a couple more hooks. Uh, I'd like to see Gadelia use that jab a little bit more because it seems to be working. I think she heard you, Jeff, because now she's throwing the jab. Well, she's there's, been nobody, there's nobody in the audience. Of course she can hear me. <laughs> you're like the dc <laughs> she's taking your <laughs> advice um gadalia has been working that quietly working that inside leg kick on angela hill as well you can see the inside of her leg starting to get a little bit red um but but claudia is definitely wearing more damage on her face uh which is not a good sign for her um i think angela hill is probably going to take this round uh she landed the more damaging shots she held claudia against the cage and she finished with a big knee. Uh, so we might have it at one apiece here, Jeff. That's the yeah. way I'm scoring it. Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it, too. And it's looking like it's definitely going to be an exciting third round. You know, all it was all Claudia Gadelia in the first round. Angela Hill started making that comeback in the second round. So, Bill, I think that in this third round, we got to look at Claudia Gadelia's cardio here. Because, she, like you said, she hasn't fought in about a year. Uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. And, you know, she's been quarantined doing her training. So, you know, you can't, I imagine they can't get the full scope 
of you know cardio training when they're confined to a couple of spaces yeah you never know and and we talked about this last week on the show you never know what kind of training everybody's getting here and unfortunately there can't be an asterisk next to any of these wins or losses here uh, in the history books it's going to be a win or a loss and very few people are going to remember that these fights took place under these circumstances uh you know you and i probably will uh you know when we say Oh, Glover Teixeira beat the hell out of Anthony Smith when there was no audience in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, but the average person is just going to look and see like, oh, you know, Glover Teixeira beat Anthony Smith and that's it. Um, you never you never get to see in, in the history books really what, what the history was, um, what the circumstances were. Sorry, uh, as we're starting round three here, four minutes, 45 seconds. If you want to sync up with us, MMA on the Rocks, Brawl Crawl, UFC on ESPN 8, Angela Hill versus Claudia Gedalia, and these girls are slinging in this third round, Jeff. They're look, both looking kind of fresh, but Claudia Gedalia definitely breathing out of her mouth here. Yeah, dude, and Angela Hill, and like you said, both of these fighters, letting their hands go a little bit more. I'd like to see somebody go for the finish, which is what we're getting here. Yeah, you, you don't see a whole lot of knockouts at this weight um, with the with the straw weights. Um, but I would like to see Gedalia grapple some more because she had so much success in the first round. Maybe it tired her out. Um, but I feel like if she could get Angela Hill down, you know, once she had her in that side control, uh, Angela was definitely out of her element. Yeah, I agree. That was working really well in that first round. I'd like to see Gedalia go for that again but i think she's happy to stand here which you know i'm always excited uh as much as the next guy to see a stand-up about yeah for sure and she's having some success but for the most part i think she's getting outlanded by angela hill here um and it might not feel like that to her in the moment um she but she was you know clearly winning the the grappling exchanges by a landslide in that first round she was controlling her easily um so I don't know why she would opt for this slugfest here, but, um, you know, maybe there's something that her and her team know that we don't, uh, maybe there's an injury that, that prevents her from doing too much grappling, uh, or maybe she's just caught up in the moment. She wants to sling some leather. Uh, Allison lets us know that silver star is a newer vodka and it's also from Texas and she likes them both. Uh, so maybe I'll check it out. Thank you for that recommendation, Allison. Um, I don't drink a whole lot of vodka, but uh, I always have some handy in the bar. I like to keep everything in stock in the bar, as you well know, Jeff, uh, except gin. I very rarely have gin in the bar, but I like to have everything else in stock. Now, and, that's uh, good, Bill, because I have some bad college stories involving gin. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had very few scenarios where I've enjoyed gin. There is a local bar here in uh, Safety Harbor, Florida, that makes some some good gin cocktails um like a spanish style gin and tonic yeah i don't know what they do to it but it, you know it's nice it's it's a refreshing but there's something about like that florally taste of gin that i've just never vibed with um i had one gin one time that was made from honey that i kind of enjoyed um and i forget the name of it but I think it had honey in the name. So just, just look for honey gin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gedalia bleeding a little bit more from that right eye. 
uh, this round, they, they're, it, they seem to be landing at, at a very similar rate. Uh, one of them has to do something to try and pull ahead here and pull ahead by a lot because with with the judging that we've seen tonight, uh, it, you know, you got to do something. And Gedalia going for the double tit push right there. <laughs> I saw that too. Oh, man. That's a, that's a new one. <laughs> it's, it's a street move, Bill. I, I guess so. I don't think I've ever seen that inside the cage. She just she just pushed her in the chest, and uh, it was effective. It caught Angela Hill off guard. I guess she's never seen that before either. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right. I, I think this round's pretty even up right now, but I, I – Somebody's got to do something here, especially we're moving into the last 40 seconds of this round. And I don't think anybody's clinched it just yet. Yeah. Well, Claudia Gedalia pushing Angela Hill up the cage and she gets reversed. Got a little tie up here. I think a takedown will steal the fight. Oh, and Gedalia just landed a big elbow off the break there. Uh, but yeah, one of these girls has to do something in the next 20 seconds to steal this fight because I got it around a piece, and I have this round pretty dead even. Maybe a slight advantage for Gedalia after uh, that clinch work and and hitting that big elbow on the break. And now they're just throwing Jeff. Oh, nice! They hit. know it's they know it's short time. Yeah, that nice head kick from Angel at the end. At the end there, but uh, I gotta agree with you on this one, Bill. I think Claudia Gedalia might have just done enough in that third round. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm scoring it, I got it 29, 28 for Gedalia. Uh, but flip a fucking coin, man, because yeah. I had the first round for Claudia. I had the second round for Angela Hill and that third round. Phew, uh, who knows? Uh, I'd, I'd have to see like the strike totals and everything like that. Who knows what the judges are seeing? I don't know if they're watching it in a phone booth somewhere um, on an iPad with with bad Wi-Fi, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you, Bill. I think this fight could go either way. I could see it going for Angela Hill, and I could see it going for Claudia Gadelia. You know, personally, I, I'm with you on this one. I think the slight edge goes to Gadelia, but with the judging, you know, it could be it could end up fifty forty seven for Angela Hill. Yeah, that could happen. Uh, there's some judges filled in two rounds that didn't even happen. Yeah. <laughs> The way things are going tonight. Um, Allison loves gin. Allison, if you could recommend gin for people who uh, are not into gin, maybe like a not-so-gin-tasting gin that would help ease into it, that would be awesome. And she also has no idea who won. It was so close. I guess we're going to find out shortly, but thank you for your participation here, Allison. We're happy to have you on the broadcast. And uh, we're going to find out from... Bruce Buffer. Well, you guys are going to find out from Bruce Buffer because I can't hear what Bruce Buffer is saying. Angela and Claudia both think they won. Claudia looks a little more confident, but also a lot more bloody. Yeah, she's got a cut right on that right eyelid, it looks like. Yeah. Bad place for a cut. Her nose looks a little swollen as well. Oh. Angela Hill doesn't have a mark on her face. And Claudia Gadelia got the decision. So I guess uh, I guess we were right, Jeff. Yeah, you know, it could have gone either way. 
yeah, it could have gone either way, but good fight from both of them. Uh, you know, I'd love to see them fight again, maybe for a belt somewhere down the line. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Claudia Gadelia has been in her share of fights where the decision didn't go her way. So, um, but I think she did enough, you know, looking back, um, you know, she definitely won that first round dominant in that grappling exchange. Um, that was the most dominant part of the fight. Uh, everything on the feet was pretty even, uh, you know, Angela did more damage to Claudia's face. Claudia did more damage to Angela's leg. Um, I, I, I can't be mad at that decision. Uh, I, that's the way I saw it going. And here we see, okay. So the corner, we, we do see, uh, Mark Henry and, uh, Ricardo Almeida in Claudia Gadelia's corner. So that settles that. All right, Jeff. Um, I got to tell you, uh, from the, Prelims, I was impressed with so many people, one of which Kevin Holland uh, with his TKO victory over Anthony Hernandez or a mullet Kane Velasquez, as I call him, um, came out, hit him with a big elbow in the head and then a big knee to the sternum, dropped him, knocked the wind out of him. I don't know if you guys have ever been hitting the sternum, um, but it really sucks. Um, and that feeling of having the wind knocked out of you is a really terrible feeling. Uh, Hernandez couldn't do anything but just kind of shell up, and and Holland did a great job uh, jumping on, finishing the fight there. Uh, referee stepped in at just the right time, and uh, Holland sounded good on the microphone as well. Called out Mickey Gall. I love that call out. Uh, what, what did you think about this fight, Jeff? Yeah, I agree with you on all points, Bill. I thought the um, Mickey Gall call out was good. You know, smart somebody who you know. Um, it, you know, a fight that could happen in the division, you know, he didn't call out somebody who, you know, was ranked and maybe that fight wouldn't happen, but I thought the Mickey call fight was good. And Mickey Gall, you know, he's a bit of a draw, you know, people know his name cause he beat CM Punk and, uh, dude, Kevin Holland looked great, man. Uh, those knees to the body in that clinch were great. And there won him the fight, you know, Hernandez, after the first shot, he started going down, you know, there was one on the way down just for good measure, and like you said, Holland just jumped on him with some strikes, um, so very impressive win for Kevin Holland, and Bill, Anthony Hernandez stole my idea to start growing out that Tiger King mullet, <laughs> so I wasn't rooting for him in this fight, but Bill, um, as I like to say at times like this, you win with ease when you use the knees. Is that what you like to say? Yeah. When that whenever there's a knee involved. I think that knees to the body, you know, they're an effective strike, man. Especially if you can hit somebody in the liver. As made famous by Boss Rutten. Jeff, we've been doing this podcast almost four years. I don't recall you ever saying that. Bill, I say that all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, you know all these on the show. All these all these podcasts are recorded, all 191 of them. People could go back and and find out for themselves. And then they're going to go out, they're going to have to go back and they got plenty of time to listen to the podcast. All right. If anyone is willing to go back and and put together a compilation of Jeff saying this four times, 
I will send you a bottle of bourbon. Well, do you think we have we have that? Like we have some super fan who has like all of our episodes recorded and like transcribed somewhere. Like he was at work and like he does like he's like a doorman or something. So he just <laughs> has time to transcribe our episodes. I sure hope so, Jeff. I like to think so. Um, you know what's funny is is when I I see uh, you know, I look at the analytics every now and then I don't care that much. I mostly like to see where people are listening from as opposed to how many people are listening. Um, because I always think it's fun to see when people are listening in like Norway and Finland, which are some of our top company, uh, top, uh, countries, Japan, uh, Ireland, uh, Scotland. We have a lot of people, United Kingdom. Um, but when I look at them and I see people like, Somebody listened to episode 40 this week. <laughs> Who are you and what are you doing with your life? Uh, and thank you. <laughs> I um, I shudder to think what we sounded like in episode 40, Jeff. Um, definitely not as polished as we are uh, in this current day and age. Um, but let's get back into these prelims here. Because someone else I was impressed with was Courtney Casey with her mm. armbar finish of Mara Romero Barella, the Italian fighter, in round number one. Uh, Barella took the fight to the ground. And then Courtney Casey, you know, looked like she was in trouble there. She was eating some ground and pound. And then the way she tied up the arms of Barella was really impressive. She got her high guard and she was able to connect her legs like just behind the neck. And she was so tight on that arm, Jeff. Barella had to tap a couple of times before the referee could get in there. Unfortunately, um, Michael Cardoso was the referee. Um, it looked like he was a couple of steps too far away. Uh, and unfortunately, Courtney Casey had to hang on to that. But she did the right thing. You can't let go just when they tap. You got to wait for the referee to break it up. But um Definitely impressive uh, armbar finish right there. I was not expecting that, um, and she pulled it off. What did you think, Jeff? No, Bill. I think it, I think it was a great performance from Courtney Casey, and she looked like she was in a little bit of trouble there um, from the bottom, but just you know never gave up on that armbar because there was one or two times where she threw up her legs, and you know it, it didn't work, and Barella was able to kind of. Um, <clears throat> fix her posture and get out of it but Courtney Casey you know she stuck to it she kept going for it and was able to lock it up really tight it looked for a second like Barella was safe you know because she was kind of uh, what we call stacking uh, Courtney Casey where it's where you kind of put your weight on the bottom person's legs to keep your arm bent because with the arm bar they they want to straighten your arm out and try to hyperextend the elbow. So it looked mm -hmm. like Barella was safe. And then she kind of popped straight up. I guess maybe she thought she could pull her arm out or something, but Courtney Casey was not having it. So very, very nice finish for Courtney Casey. I think that's her first finish in the UFC, actually. Um, and, you know, we've seen her have a couple fights that didn't go her way. You know, the judges uh, maybe didn't make the right call. So uh, congratulations to Courtney Casey, which, you know, I haven't seen an armbar from the bottom in the UFC um, in a really long time. I don't think I've seen one ever in women's MMA. Um, so 
I'm trying to think Ronda Rousey, but I think Ronda, you know, she got a lot of her arm bars from the top. Um, but anyway, uh, Bill, so the fighters are walking out here, but Bill, um, besides Darren Elkins versus um, Nate Landwehr here, any other fights on the prelims that you want to talk about? Because I really enjoyed the Jiga Jakadze fight. That was a really, really good fight. Yeah, that one was good. And uh, the first fight, the Rodrigo... Ferreira and Dante Mays, both uh, Dana White contender series fighters, classic uh, striker versus grappler. Mays was controlling this fight on the feet. And then when it got to the ground, Ferreira was able to get the rear naked choke. Um, and and Dante Mays, it, it was his second fight in the UFC, and it was the second time he was submitted. The, the first time was that, that awesome uh, heel hook that came out of nowhere from Cyril Gahn. Uh, who who you and I are both really high on, and yeah. we haven't seen him fight uh, since then, I believe. Um, but that was a really impressive performance from Fadea, and he remained undefeated after that one. So both of those guys coming off the t- contender series, and um, Fadea proving to be the more successful fighter. And here we have uh, Walt Harris walking out. Man, he looks so happy dancing. Um I I really love his mindset, man. Just uh, just you know, being able to do this for his daughter Anaya um, after she tragically passed, um, and, and you know he credits her with being the reason that he's able to do this because she uh, babysat his kids so he could go and train while his wife was at work. Um, and man, you, you can't help but root for Walt Harris here, man. First fight after losing his daughter, and um, you know, just being able to get up and and train every day, and and not want to just stay in bed and and like just drink your life away and and you know waste it away. He he wants to pay tribute to her, and and I'm gonna put a little twist on this, Jeff. Like, how's it feel to be Alistair Overeem right now? Because you know, like everybody wants to see the best for Walt Harris. Like you don't want to get in there and, and, and try and take this guy's head off after what he's been through. You know, Alistair Overeem is a father. He's got three daughters, I believe. Um, it, so he's got a feel for Walt Harris, but I, I liked what Overeem had to say. He's like the, the best thing I can do to help Walt pay tribute is to go in there and give it my best in this fight. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, credit to Alistair Overeem because it's a lose-lose for him. You know, uh, it, it's a tough guy. You don't want to go in, like you said, you don't want to go in there and take his head off, but you don't want to go in there and give him an easy fight either and make him feel like he hasn't earned it. Um, mm-hmm. So, Bill, before we go on, I just want to give a shout-out to your brother-in-law, the Portuguese <laughs> man of war, Dave Bernardino. Yeah. Dave joining the show. He wants to know what the drink of choice is tonight. I said it earlier, but it is old granddad, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, the high rye mash bill. So it's got a little spice to it, a little kick to it, even though it's only 80 proof. Uh, but it finishes super smooth. Nice vanilla finish to it. Uh, but it's got that spicy kick up front, little little pepper on the tongue. Uh and my mom also joined the show and she wants to know what do you think the takedown of the night was? So mom just uh throwing out any terminology she knows about MMA. Uh 
<laughs> I love your mom. <laughs> I just wanted but to tell I'll, you that, Bill. But I'll answer. I think the takedown of the night was Claudia Gadelia against Angela Hill in the first round of that co-main event. Um, I thought she did a lot with it, and uh, she looked really good. So thanks for your question, Mom. Yeah, it was a good sweep. And then uh, Allison giving us her gin recommendations. I'm going to have to go back and and read this in detail later. Thank you for the uh, the detailed description here. As we're watching Alistair Overeem walk out for the main event here, uh, he looks super focused. Um, this is a guy who's just done it all, Jeff. K1 kickboxing world champion, Pride Grand Prix, um, UFC, Strike Force. Uh, you know, is there anything this guy hasn't done in combat sports? Uh, he's got, he's got submission wins. He's got knockout wins. He's been on the receiving end of some of the most devastating knockouts of all time. Yeah, but he's also delivered some of the most devastating knockouts of all time, Bill. And like you said, man, um, Alistair Overeem, huge resume in combat sports, dude. And he, he was fighting, uh, I forgot if it was in Pride or in Strike Force, you know, at the same time as he was winning K1 championships. So this guy's done everything, man. He's been everywhere, fought all over the world. The only thing that has eluded him is a UFC belt, Bill. And do you mm-hmm. think that he's going to keep fighting until he, you know, gets another title shot? Well, it could be. Um, that could be his plan. But, I mean, he turns 40 years old this weekend, Jeff. Um, oh, he's good. That would be fine. Yeah. I mean, for the for the heavyweight division, he's still a spring chicken. Yeah, that's like 25 in heavyweight years. um i mean he's definitely got a lot of miles on him but um you know if i could look like him at 40 years old um i wouldn't mind it uh if i somehow became if i somehow grew 12 inches (laughs) and and packing on the horse meat bill yeah uh surprisingly walt harris the bigger man here inch taller and uh about 11 pounds heavier, but Overeem with a three-inch reach advantage. Um, both of these guys uh, in the, the latter part of their 30s. Yeah, As Bruce Buffer introduces them here, we're getting ready for this main event here. Uh, these are some big boys here, Jeff. I got to say, just from the walkout, um, I, I got to favor Walt Harris because – Overeem seems a little stiff. You know, he seems very focused, but he seems, you know, not like himself, whereas Walt Harris seems very relaxed. So just if I'm basing just on that, I would lean towards him. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Bill, I agree with you 100%. And it's it's interesting because I was reading about this before we started the show. Um, John Danaher posted something on Instagram, and he was talking about how it's important to know when to be tense and when to be loose. And, you know, when you're taking on a heavyweight who could potentially take your head off, I think that Walt Harris probably wants to be a little bit more loose, you know, be able to slip shots. So, you know, being knowing when to be tense and when to be, 
you know, a little bit more willing to move around and everything. I think that's important to understand as a fighter or a grappler or a boxer or whatever. So I think Walt Harris, you know, just on based on body language alone, you know, Walt Harris might have an advantage here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and over him, you got to wonder what his mindset is like, because uh, coming off of his last fight with Jairzinho Rosenstrike, where he lost it in the final seconds of a five round fight that he was dominating yeah, uh, and probably winning five rounds to none. Uh, and then he get his, he gets his lip knocked off of his face. Do you think we see a more tentative, uh, a more tentative Overeem here? Uh, or, or do you think we see a more aggressive Overeem who doesn't want to let it get to those final seconds um, and, and risk blowing it all away there? I don't know, dude. I don't know how much it affects somebody like Overeem. You know, he has, he's been in so many fights at this point and, you know, I'm sure he's had worse injuries than that. Uh, you know, as gruesome as that particular one was. So I don't know, you know, you got to wonder if it even affects him at this point, because he's been everywhere. He's done everything, uh, won titles in, you know, other organizations. And, you know, we're looking at the, um, the stare down uh, right before, you know, an embrace from Alistair Overeem for Walt Harris. Credit to that. I love the sportsmanship. But, dude, Walt Harris is a big dude, man. Overeem's big, but Walt Harris looks a little bit bigger standing next to him. So I, I really wasn't surprised. I, I mean, I was surprised to see that. I don't think I ever fully realized how big Walt Harris was uh, until I saw him standing next to Overeem. Obviously, he's big. He's a UFC heavyweight. Uh, our buddy Mark joining the show. Uh, cheers mark good to see you or all the way from, from the you. other side of the world uh good to see you here uh better late than never my man uh as we're underway here if you guys want to sync up with us we're at four minutes 32 seconds of the first round between alistair overeem and walt harris main event ufc on espn 8 we're watching on espn plus but you can also see this on espn through your local cable provider uh, this commentary brought to you by Old Granddad Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. They're not a sponsor, but they're bringing this commentary to you because that's what I've been drinking. Walt Harris with the head kick. Yeah, and Walt Harris doing a good job of just walking Alistair Overeem down and just taking control of the octagon here. Ooh, nice shot oh. from, from Harris here. Big shots. Overeem is down, but he's trying to get back to his feet. Walt Harris dropping a big hammer fist. Overeem gets back up. Harris is all over him. Referee's letting it go, though. Yeah, he Overeem, knows how experienced Overeem is. Yeah, and Overeem's covering up, but it looks like there's a little bit of blood coming out from his mouth right now. Oh, Overeem going for an outside heel hook right there, and now he's in on a single leg back to his feet. Nice. Good stuff from Overeem to get out of that. He was in a really bad spot. Yeah, he was really bloodied up. I mean, it would it would have been really easy to just quit right there, but Overeem's a warrior. It looks like he's bleeding from his mouth, nose, and left eye, um, and possibly over his left eyebrow. It's hard to tell where the where the blood is coming from, but there's a lot of it. And Walt Harris is just stalking him, dropping bombs. But now Overeem's on top. <laughs> this fight is fucking crazy. Oh, and over him taking it to the ground. He was looking to get on Harris's back, but Harris does a good job of rolling out of it. 
Overeem's still now, on top, though. Yeah, Overeem's on top in side control. This is not where you want to be if you're Walt Harris. Uh, we haven't seen too much from Walt Harris off of his back, but we know Overeem can grapple. He's got, I believe, 17 submission victories uh, in his career. Uh, and now he's kind of gift-wrapping Walt Harris from the top. Uh, and this is not good. Walt Harris taking some big breaths. He's covered in Alistair Overeem's blood. Yeah, and good work from Alistair Overeem to just control one arm, you know, especially when you're on top and somebody's on top of you and they have one of your arms controlled, you know, that that's so that's like 40% of the equation that they're eliminating. Yeah. We might be seeing a big adrenaline dump from Walt Harris here because he put a lot of energy into finishing Overeem uh, when he dropped him initially, and now Overeem is just putting – all 253 and a half pounds <laughs> on top of Walt Harris and punching him in the face, just making him carry his weight. Walt is doing nothing to try and get back to his feet. Yeah, he might not be able to, Bill. He, like you said, he's taking some deep breaths, man. Yeah, he's trying to compose himself here. Um, now he's kind of posting, but. Man, he's taking some big shots to the face as well. Now he's grabbing the fence. He's looking desperate here, Jeff. This is not where you want to be if you're Walt Harris. He's all twisted up. He's got a posture that he's kind of given up. The referee had to reach in and and rake his fingers out of the cage. Yeah, and Overeem still controlling that other arm, taking it completely out of the equation. And, Bill, I... I don't know what you do if you're Harris here. You know, Overeem is looking like he might ruin this Cinderella story. Yeah. I mean, uh, Harris, all he could do is kind of grab the cage. Uh, I mean, referee's got to be taking a look here because Overeem is just dropping bombs on Walt Harris's face, and he's not doing anything to try and get back up. Now he's trying to recover half guard, but his guard's just completely open. And Overeem just sitting right through it into mount. He's got him mounted up against the cage. This is bad news for Walt Harris here, man. He's just not. It it looks like he's not used to being in this position at all. Now he gets up to all fours, but he's carrying all of Overeem's weight, taking knees to the body, and he Overeem has not stopped throwing those punches to the face. Walt got up though. Yeah, you know, he got up at the end of the round, Bill, but he took a lot of damage, and he's way out of breath. And you know that carrying Alistair Overeem's weight after, you know, an adrenaline dump like that, you know, it, it's just he might be exhausted here for the second round. I'm exhausted watching this, Jeff. This That was a, that was a crazy pace for two giant heavyweights. Overeem is bleeding from everywhere, uh, but, you know, you know, he heals like Wolverine because after getting his lip knocked off of his face in his last fight, uh, like five days later, he posted a picture of himself like completely healed. Um, so it was a it was a low calf kick that he went for inside low calf kick. Um, and he took his eyes off his target for a second, which is not typical of Wolverine. And that's when he got caught and dropped by Walt Harris um, and big damage. But uh the round probably went to Overeem because of all the control uh, at the end of the round there, I would think. Uh, you know, Walt did, did some big damage in the first minute and a half, but, um, you know, once Overeem got up, it was all him. Uh, 
But the top round is score either way. It, it's, uh, you know, do you go for the beginning of the round or you go for the recency effect? Uh, most people go for the recency effect and, and would score it for Overeem there. Yeah, and Bill, here's the thing is that not only was Overeem controlling Harris on the ground, he was dishing out damage, dude, you know, beating up that face. And as uh, Harris was getting up, over you made sure to elbow that body dude and that that's going to pay dividends in these later rounds here mm -hmm. and now walt harris has also shown that he's kind of lost off of his back yeah. um he he was doing none of the right things to get up from that position he he did eventually like power his way up which is probably how he usually does it in the training room uh but with an experienced MMA fighter and grappler like Alistair Overeem on top of you, you have to have some technique from that position. Um, so Overeem knows now if he gets Walt Harris on his back, he can keep him there. And uh, Harris might be a little tentative uh, knowing that fact as well. Yeah, that might be a little bit more difficult this round. You know, both of these guys are starting to sweat a lot more. So that's going to be a factor, but dude, um, yeah, Walt Harris looked lost. It looked like at one point because of the beating that he was taking from over him, he kind of gave his back a little bit, uh, at certain points. So, you know, that's always a bad sign. You know, if you're looking at this, Oh, lands a huge, right. It was a head kick. And then he, he went for that inside low calf kick again and this time he faked like he was going for it and then threw the head kick. Now he's got Walt Harris's back and he's dropping some big bombs. It looked like Harris was out when he hit the ground the first time, Jeff, from that head kick. And now Overeem just dropping heavy leather. And this referee just does not seem like he wants anything to do with these two guys. <laughs> yeah, you can't blame him, dude. But, you know, <sighs> Overeem dude, I kind of think I kind of think Walt Harris is out here like Mergliata could stop this. Yeah, he hit the ground hard. He's taken maybe 20 or 25 unanswered blows to the ear, and now Overeem's got his hooks in. He's got Walt Harris flattened out, and he's still punching him in the ear, and Walt is doing nothing here. Um, I, I kind of feel like you got to stop this fight here. Yeah, he's kind of grabbing the fence, Harris, but... He's doing nothing to get into a better position. I, and Mergliotto looks like he's going to stop it soon. Yeah, all Walt Harris is doing is trying to cover his ear. He's not trying to get up. He's completely flattened out. Uh, and Overeem just dropping bomb after bomb on, on Walt's ear. You got to stop this fight here. And Dan Mergliotto finally stepping in. Yeah, and Overeem does not look pleased with what went down. You know, you can tell he feels bad, but... You know, he's got to do what he's got to do. Uh, yeah, I mean, talk about kicking a guy while he's down after everything that Walt's been through. And then, it, you know, the guy, the guy is clearly done, and you got to keep hitting him. Yeah. That's a, that's a shitty spot to be in for Alistair Overeem. Uh, and, of course, you got to feel for Walt Harris, who looked so good at the beginning of the fight. And, that, man, after everything he's been through. Uh, but, you know at the end of the day, it's the experience. Oh, so it was the head kick and then it was a left straight. So here's the head kick that gets through the defense. Oof. And then kind of a looping left hook right on the jaw. Walt Harris looks done here to me. Yeah, dude. And there was a right uppercut 
as Harris was going down. Yeah, I, I think Mergliano could have stopped it a lot sooner, but you can't blame him for giving Walt Harris, you know, a chance to to keep going here. Yeah. Yeah, he gave him a chance to fight. Uh you know, and and, and Mergliata is known for for definitely letting his emotions uh, get in the way of his judgment uh, in a, in a lot of fights. You know, the the subject of a lot of controversy in the past. <sighs> Man, tough to watch, but at at the end of the night, it's uh, the experience of Alistair Overeem, the the superior grappling, and uh, you know, once he figured out the timing of Walt Harris on the feet, that was it. He made you saw he made the mistake with that inside low calf kick in the first round uh, where he took his eyes off of him when he threw it. And then when he threw it in the second round, he didn't do that, Jeff. And he followed it immediately with a high kick to the head uh, because he saw how Walt reacted. He saw how Walt rushed in the first time when he threw that low calf kick. So he threw it again and he used that to set up the, the, the head kick. Um, and, and that's just world-class striking. Uh, he, you know, I think he's got the highest striking accuracy in UFC history. It's like 73% or something ridiculous like that. Um, but we were talking about how high Justin Gaethje's is at, at 51 or 52%, uh, 73% for Alistair Overeem. He, he really knows how to pick his shots and be patient. And, um, you know, he was able to come back from, uh, you know, taking a, taking a lot of damage in the beginning of that first round and uh, come back and, and get a well-deserved victory over Walt Harris here. Um, big embrace from Walt Harris at the end here. They're exchanging some words. Um, yeah, world-class from Overeem. Yeah, man. I, I, I mean, you can't, you can't help but have a broken heart for Walt Harris right now. Um, but at, at the same time, uh, you know, he, he showed up to do a job and, and Alistair Overeem did a better job, uh, everywhere. Uh, I think Walt maybe, you know, had a big dump at, at the beginning, uh, when he almost finished Alistair in the first round. And then, uh, he never really recovered from that, especially after, you know, being under the 253 and a half pounds of Alistair Overeem, uh, for the last, uh, two minutes of, of the first round or so. Um, he just wasn't the same. And then meanwhile, Alistair Overeem had downloaded all of his patterns, used that low inside calf kick to set up the head kick, uh, and just put on a striking clinic right at the end there. And then it was unfortunate that he had to flatten him out and, and beat him down the way he did at the end. It could have been stopped a lot sooner. It could have been stopped pretty much as soon as it hit the ground. Um, I think everything after that looping left hook and that right uppercut and, and these couple of shots on the ground, everything after that was just unnecessary in my opinion. Um, and uh, our buddy Mark wants to know what's next for Alistair Overeem. Um, and that's tough to say, man, because you know, we, we got a little bit of a bottleneck with this heavyweight division. Uh, we're, we're waiting for, for Stipe to be ready to start training so he can fight Cormier for the title. Cormier is talking about fighting Nganu for an interim title. Who knows if that'll happen, but then Nganu is talking about fighting John Jones. Um, they've been going back and forth on Twitter. And then, you know, Rosenstrike is coming off a loss, but he's got the win over Overeem. Uh, 
maybe have a rematch with those two. Maybe we do Overeem versus Derek Lewis. That's something that could happen. Yeah, I was thinking either um, Overeem Lewis would be really good or even um, Overeem versus uh, Volkov, I think, would be a good match to make as well. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good one too. Volkov and Overeem. Um, yeah. So I don't I don't know what's going on with Derek Lewis. We haven't heard from him in a while. But there's that. But but Jeff, what do you think about the back and forth between uh Nganu and John Jones? Do you think anything will come out of that? Um, I haven't been following that stuff. Um it would be I think it'd be cool. Um I hope something comes out of it. I'd love to see John Jones uh move up to heavyweight. But I don't know, dude. I think that um, Ngannou should focus a little bit more on the heavyweight division because he's been doing spectacular things ever since the loss to Stipe Miocic. And, you know, I'm sure that's one he wants to get back to. So, uh, you know, I'd love to see him maybe take one more fight um, and and maybe fight Miocic after he settles his business with Cormier if that happens. Yeah, well, it seems... Right now, like the choices are maybe an interim title fight with Daniel Cormier, which is a, a really bad matchup for Nganu, oh, yeah. or a super fight that would mean a lot, a, a big paycheck uh, with John Jones. Um, so between the two, uh, you know, if he gets in there and beats John Jones, he could still get the, the title shot. Maybe he feels like he has a better shot of beating John Jones than he does of beating Daniel Cormier, uh, which wouldn't be unreasonable. And John Jones seems all in uh, from the, the tweets that he's been sending uh, in Ganu's way. He says, you're my Mount Everest right now. Uh, I want to fight you. Whereas three days prior, he was saying, before I move up to heavyweight, I want maybe a catch weight at 220. And, and now he wants to fight one of the biggest heavyweights out there. Um, you can't help but be intrigued by that matchup. Uh, I think uh Ngannou's only like an inch taller. Um I think their reach is, is pretty similar. Obviously, Jones has a much more slender build than Nganu. Uh He's way more well-rounded, but Nganu has that ability to just put anybody out that he touches, um, which, you know, every time Nganu comes out and destroys one of these heavyweights, it just makes the performance that Stipe uh, put, it, put on against him look that much more impressive, in my opinion. Because he was able to to take those big shots from Nganu. He was able to take him down at will. He was able to control him, wear him out, exhaust him. Um, and I don't know. It's a it's an exciting time for the heavyweight division, Jeff. You know, we got a lot of we got a lot of fun things, but at the same time, we're kind of in a standstill because we have a heavyweight champion who all the credit in the world to him is a first responder during a pandemic. And uh, that's got to take priority right now. And, um, it, you know, all the respect to Stipe for the job he's doing as a firefighter in Cleveland. Um, but, it, you know, we have so much excitement brewing in this heavyweight division. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of left wondering what's going to happen, which, which kind of makes it fun as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, Stipe Miocic, you know, he can kind of sit pretty for a while uh, in, ter in terms of MMA um, and credit to him, you know, for still working and doing all that he can to help during this pandemic. But the heavyweight division, 
it's in such an interesting state. But Bill, I don't know if Ngannou is the right fight for Jokes to take first in the heavyweight division. You know, take a tune-up fight first. Um, but Bill, I think that uh, the matchup with Jones is very similar to the matchup with DC because Jones is someone who can very much out wrestle uh, Francis Ngannou. And, you know, Jones is someone who adapts to whatever opponent is put in front of him. So I don't think that would go well for Ngannou. Would it be fun to watch? Hell yeah, dude. I'm, I, I'm sitting here to watch it. And, yeah. you know, definitely, you know, Ngannou's definitely got a puncher's chance, but I think it goes very similar to the fight with Stipe Miocic. Mm -hmm. uh, if he does fight John Jones. Yeah, it very well could. Um, I, I mean, Ngannou's made a lot of improvements since that fight with Stipe, and, and he's been just destroying people. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Let's put a bow on uh, UFC on ESPN 8 here, and um, I'm going to tell you what I think, Jeff, and I know you want to talk about the uh, Giga Chikaze Erwin Rivera fight. Before we get to that, I just want to say my picks for the bonuses, if I were giving them out, I would say the fight of the night was Nate Landwehr, Darren Elkins, because uh, that fight was just insane. And then the performance bonuses I would give to Alistair Overeem um, and also uh, Miguel Baeza. Uh, do, do you have any differing opinions there? No, I agree with you on all on all uh, fronts there. I think, um, yeah, I think definitely performance of the night for Baeza and um, <clears throat> for Baeza and uh, uh, what's his face uh, Landwehr. So uh -huh. shout out to Alexander Ow, greeting us from Fort Lee, New Jersey. <laughs> Hi, Alex. What's up, Alex? Trolling, trolling Jeff the Animal Wilson. <laughs> I love it. That's why I'm displaying the comments here. <laughs> um, yeah, those are those are definitely, uh, I, I think, probably going to be the bonuses. Um, I could see maybe Kevin Holland getting one because he looked really impressive. Um, yeah. Uh, hopefully they throw Edson Barbosa a little bit of money for getting robbed of that decision. Uh, and then uh, let's talk about the, the last thing we haven't talked about, Jeff. Uh, Giga Chikadze with the unanimous decision victory over Erwin Rivera stepping up on 48 hours notice. I feel like uh, when it's that short notice, you can't even say days. You've got you've to say the hours. Uh, this guy got in his car and drove here drove to Jacksonville, Florida, I don't know how many hours in this car, moved up a weight class to get in there with Giga Chikadze, uh, who is an absolute beast, a uh, world-class kickboxer, um, has not yet found a finish in the UFC, but has not yet found anybody who can beat him. 3-0 uh, in the UFC, I believe. Uh, he is from the country of Georgia. He was requesting that Dana White have an event in Georgia. Uh, give me your thoughts on uh, Giga Chikadze here, Jeff. Yeah, he looked great, dude. Um, and a very interesting opponent. Uh, I can't remember his name for some reason. Give me one second. Versus um, Erwin Rivera, who came out with a really weird style, was jumping over um, Chikadze's leg kicks. 
you know, a very exciting fighter to watch, but Jakadze was just able to, you know, figure out his fight patterns and, you know, adjust accordingly because rounds two and three, you know, he absolutely uh, ran away with them. Uh, I would say, you know, given a, a couple of extra minutes, I think he would have finished that fight uh, against Rivera. Yeah, he busted him up, but he, he had a hard time uh... – Hard time uh, getting his patterns down in that first round. Like you said, uh, he was jumping over the kicks and, um, it, you know, closing the distance really well. But uh, rounds two and three were all Chikadze. Um, you, you know, he was able to use his dynamic striking to keep Rivera at bay and, and easily get the decision there. He wants Dana White to bring the UFC to Georgia. I think um, it would do well there. Obviously, we have Giga Chikadze, we have Marab Dewalish Willie, uh, you know, two guys that are very up and coming uh, in the featherweight and bantamweight divisions. They would both obviously be on that card, uh, both great representatives of their country, both awesome fighters. Uh, Alex also thinks that Barbosa got robbed. Um, and he didn't get robbed by Ige, though, he got robbed by the judges who gave the fight to Ige. Uh, Alex also wants to know why we aren't tanked yet. Uh, I'm pretty well into this bottle of old granddad right here. Uh, me tanked is not much different than me sober. I'm a pretty laid back drunk, as most of you know. Uh, you know, I can plow my way through a bottle of bourbon and still be fairly functional. So there's the, the answer to that question. Daniel joining the show. He said the Reem lost, and the answer to that is no. Alistair Overeem won by TKO in round number two against Walt Harris, main event, UFC on ESPN 8. Thanks for everybody who joined in on our brawl crawl here as we give our live commentary. Jeff, you're getting <laughs> trolled tonight, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's what happens. Haters going to hate, Bill. Just tell them it's vodka in your thermos there. But here we are. Um, we don't have another fight next weekend. So the next fight coming up uh, will, will be a fight night on May 30th. So we'll have a week off. So we won't break down that card until next week's show. And uh, I don't know if we're going to do this uh, going forward, Jeff. I don't know if we'll do this... Uh, you know, maybe just for fight nights, maybe just for ESPN cards. I have to put this comment up. Jeff is drinking milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. We, we might screenshot this one for the social media. Jeff is drinking milk. Uh, it's just water. Sorry, Alex. Um, yeah. So it wasn't milked from any animal. It just came from... Mother Earth. Uh, awesome card overall, top to bottom. Uh, the prelims were outstanding. Uh, the main event delivered back and forth in that first round. And then Overeem just, you know, showing his experience in there. And then uh, he regularly drinks whole milk. <laughs> All right. We're, we're getting towards the, uh, the silly hour of the show. It's human milk. All right. So we're going there. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put that one up too. But uh, thanks for everybody who joined in, and thanks for everybody who encouraged us to do the live commentary again. Uh, if you joined in on Wednesday and tonight, uh, then you're extra awesome. Uh, and if you've been drinking along with us while watching the fights, uh, then that's pretty much the whole point of this show. It's how it all got started, and that's why it's lasted for almost four years now. Uh, so thanks to everybody who tuned in. Uh, if you guys want to continue to troll Jeff or, uh, you know, just have a conversation with him, you can do so at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he, he responds fairly frequently on there. And for any new listeners, if you want to get a hold of me, it's at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can send me an email, MMA on the Rocks, gmail.com. Visit our website. You can send me a message on there as well, MMA on the Rocks.com. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, please offer some feedback wherever you are listening or watching. Please subscribe. Please leave us a review. Uh, if you leave us a good review and you roast us, we'll read it live on the air. Uh, my dad just joined the show, and he hopes that we gave a shout-out to legendary Fred Willard. Rest in peace. And we definitely did, Dad. We, we took a break in the middle of the show to do that. And uh, <laughs> Jeff, your phone number just got displayed on here, but I'm not going to put that comment up. But yeah, Dad, we we did pay tribute to uh, to Fred Willard, uh, definitely one of the one of the comedic geniuses uh, of recent memory. And uh, don't worry, <laughs> laughing Alex's comments. Oh man, <clears throat> but yeah, um, definitely shout out to Fred Willard who kept us laughing. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll dedicate this episode to uh, the late Fred Willard, as well as to uh, the late daughter of Walt Harris and Aya Blanchard. Um, you know, unfortunately, her her dad wasn't able to get the victory tonight, but he put on a hell of a performance against uh, a world class heavyweight in Alistair Overeem. And that's all we got, folks. It's been an awesome night of fights. Uh, you know, we, we've talked a little bit of bourbon, we talked a little bit of pop culture, a little bit of everything. And uh, and Jeff got trolled, and uh, that's that. So reach out to us on social media if you want to continue the party, and, and let us know if you want us uh, to do these uh, live fight night shows going forward. Uh, it seems like the consensus is yes. Uh, so there you have it. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>